Hey, my name is Matthew McCack. And I'm Tinoja Ramchal. This is Seek Human Spaces podcast, where we explore how to embrace our humanness while smashing oppressive norms. I am so excited yes. that we have Matthew back. It's like old times. <laughs> yeah. And today we are going to be talking about a topic that's very close to your heart, challenges that humans in the LGBTQ plus community face in life, in education, in career. And this is something that you have built community around in terms yeah. of helping people to navigate a lot of the difficult challenges of operating in systems that were not designed for them. And I just want to say that I've learned so much from you um, by having conversations off podcast, by having conversations on podcast. Thank you. Yeah, no, I, well, I've learned a lot from you as well, uh, definitely off and on podcast. So no, thank you. I'm glad uh, that everything that I've been able to bring to the table has been helpful for, for you and hopefully others. Yeah, I definitely try my best to create community and spread that community as much as possible for LGBTQ plus folks. And that's uh, within the realm also of intersectionality. So Matthew also <laughs> led the Queer Leadership Academy at Guru College uh, when he worked there. And yeah. we'll be talking about that as well. Um, but I wanted to start off, and if you're open, Matthew, to sharing a little about your story mm -hmm. and how you got to where you are right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's a, that's a long story, but I guess I'll start with the beginnings of just figuring out my identity and the process of coming out and all that. But yeah, I, I mean, it started really in high school for me. So I was around 15 when I began noticing that I'm attracted to women. And this was at a time also I was identifying as a woman. I was assigned female at birth. So I, you know, and I was brought up in, uh, you know, Catholic education. I went to Catholic school and all that stuff. So I was taught that being gay was a sin. It was disgusting. Uh, it, it was one of the worst things you could be, really. <laughs> um, and so I had to, I, I felt the need to hide that uh, from everyone, my family, friends, you know, strangers, anybody that I came into contact with. And I felt that I needed to hide that for a long time. And it wasn't until I was really just about to graduate college that I started coming out about my sexuality. And that was a long road. I felt uh, really isolated during that time. I felt just kind of terrible about myself. I, I had extremely low self-esteem because of it. Uh, and this wasn't even getting into the trans stuff yet, um, where I did have a feeling of like, I don't quite feel like I am a woman, but that was like totally uncharted territories, uh, uh, especially at least when I was, you know, in high school. Uh, I think it's much different now where there's more media coverage and um, all that stuff. But when I was in high school and middle school, that was just not a thing. Or if there was anything about being trans, it was brought up in the light of like in a perverse situation. 
And even same thing for homosexuality. It, it was kind of seen that way as well, where it was more like um like a kink or something. Yeah. So growing up, it was it was just not spoken about a whole lot. We were definitely not taught uh taught about it, uh, especially not in a Catholic school. I don't know if Catholic schools are teaching about it still today. Uh, I would imagine not, but <laughs> Uh, and I don't, but I don't know what's going on in the public schools either. Uh, how much is being taught on that end as well? Uh, and I, I will get into that in terms of what's going on today uh, for for schools and just politics. But in terms of my story, yeah, I there was a lot of self loathing. Um, and then finally, when I started coming out, it, it took a minute for me to feel a little more comfortable, a little more confident in myself. And I finally had entered a relationship that I actually wanted to be in. And it was with a woman. So uh, who today I am married to, uh, which is nice. Um, And yeah, for my gender identity, that took longer. So it wasn't up until it wasn't until really around 2021 was when I started to really kind of come out and explore my gender identity because I knew, I always knew that I wasn't a girl, I wasn't a woman, um, it just didn't feel right. I wouldn't say that I'm a man, um, I still don't say that, I, I identify as non-binary, um, and even that language was very, uh, that took a long time to come to, and it was not in, it was not part of my vocabulary earlier on as a child or in college even. I, I didn't know what non-binary was until I don't know, maybe in the past like five years or so. But once I heard it, I was like, that clicks for me, that works. And I went through a lot of, you know, changing uh, of, okay, what are my pronouns? I was going by she, her, and he, him. And then it changed into, you know what, I really wanted to just be more he, him. And recently I changed it to he, they. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm just all over the place uh, trying to figure it out. But even while I'm figuring it out, I still feel confident in that I know who I am. It's just knowing, it's trying to figure out the words for it. And that has been probably the most challenging. And I have people in my life that are not accepting of that. They're okay with me being gay, but they're not okay with me being trans or they're not okay with any of it. Some people in my family don't know at all what's what's going on for me. And you know, and that's for a reason. They either one, I know that they would not be okay with it, or two, they have expressed to me that they would not be okay with it. <laughs> um, uh, or uh, folks I have come out to have expressed that they are not okay with it. All that to be said, I do also have a lot of support in my life, which is great. Seek, I, I was a Seek counselor. I had amazing support from my colleagues, which was amazing. And I have fantastic support from my siblings. And uh, my wife, of course, has been just phenomenal in, you know, supporting my this entire journey for me, um, you know, coming into my sexuality, but then also coming into especially my gender identity has been it, it's it's been life changing. I feel all of that, Matthew. And thank <laughs> you for being so vulnerable and for sharing, because I can't imagine that being easy especially when you talked about, you know, growing up in a Catholic upbringing and where this is not allowed and the courage that it took 
to even admit that to yourself because what I heard um, in terms of the hiding is also shame. Um, mm -hmm. And if who you're being is wrong, that's a lot of shame to be yeah. carrying around. I am moved by your courage, just seeing the way that you stood up for yourself. And I know that took a lot of inner work on your part to get to this point. And you come across as confident and someone who speaks so openly about this that I know that it helps a ton of people when you show up that way. But I know even that in itself is uh, not always comfortable. No, yeah, that, it's a good point. I, I would say that I am feeling a lot more confident than I was about like 10 to 15 years ago. Within all of this, that being said, I, I there's also a lot of lack of confidence sometimes. You know, I, I, I'm not confident all of the time and that is okay. Um, and sort of, Coming to that acceptance as well has been a tremendous, a tremendous amount of work uh, for me. And it's taken a lot of self-reflection and introspection therapy <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, just uh, talking, being able to talk about it has also been helpful. Like, because had you asked me about 15 years ago, if I'd be able to do this sort of podcast, I would have said, absolutely not. <laughs> There's no way. And I would have never imagined it, uh, that this would be a possibility for me. Uh, and that I am here doing this sort of thing is sort of like, I, it, like I said, it, it felt so unimaginable. And now it feels like I can't imagine not doing it uh, for my child self and then for other people who might be feeling that same way. And knowing that it's okay to not feel so confident all of the time. Um, and it, it kind of, it comes with it. Sometimes that shame does creep back up and I have to work through that. Um, and it's exhausting. Uh, you know, it's, it's not easy to talk about all of the time. It's not easy to even live through all of the time, but it's so worth it when I have those moments of remembering like, wow, I'm actually existing the way I feel like I'm supposed to be existing and the way I feel like I'm supposed to be, not the way others feel that I'm supposed to be existing. I love that you said that, that I feel the way that I should be existing because that's the alignment, that's the liberation. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I've been exploring on this podcast as well is that oftentimes what we do to feel protected in society is that we shrink ourselves in order to be what the norm says that we should be, right? Whether that's straight or conforming to the gender norms. Mm -hmm. And that for many people is what they consider protection, but it's actually in fact oppression mm -hmm. um, because we've also been sold that as security, you operate this way and you're going to be protected by the system versus what I'm hearing you say is that coming out and really showing up as who you know yourself to be on the inside, even if it's going to be met with ridicule or criticism or disapproval on the outside. And that's going to happen. And that you're willing to show up that way because also then you're creating the space for others to yeah. show up that way who feel that they can't be themselves. And I think that's a really beautiful thing 
Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the the shackles we create for ourselves are, you know, much more difficult to get out of than any shackles than that other people put on us. And yeah, you're right. We we shrink ourselves. Um, and I, I'm already short. I'm five feet. I, I, I can't shrink <laughs> myself anymore. So uh, I and I definitely do that uh, or have done that. Uh, and I'll still do it. I, I'm a at heart. I'm a very shy, introverted person. But that doesn't mean that I need to actually be small. And I, it came to a point where it, it was about to just like explode out of me. Like it was so much bigger than what I could hold in that it it, it just had to come out for me. I, I sometimes think of that poem by T.S. Eliot where uh, what happens to a dream deferred, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and so uh, it definitely... My identity did not dry up like a raisin in the sun. Uh, it exploded. <laughs> so um, so I needed to, you know, get it out before I exploded. Yeah. And I, I'm just so much better for it. And yes, I have been met with people who do not like it. And as you know, Tanisha, I'm also a content creator and I will, uh, I'm very out on that platform and I've gotten a lot of hate comments and that's okay. It, it's when you get to that, notion of like accepting yeah people aren't gonna like this um as long as i'm in a safe space because that that is also really important are you in a safe environment do you Mm -hmm. have your support network because i needed that um and that was the only way i was really able to come out when i felt like okay i'm in a safe environment i'm not getting kicked out of my home or or i have already moved out so i don't have to deal with the constant ridicule or anything like that i have a support system around me it is so important to have that. And it becomes then, okay, how do I get that? Because that could be difficult, especially if you're already hiding it. If it, if it's a secret, then how, where do you get that support if nobody even knows, you know? So it, it becomes really complicated uh, and difficult. Uh, but once you come out, like people, you start to find your people and it makes it that much easier and that much more freeing to be to be you. Definitely. And finding places where you have people who can see you for who you are uh, makes it easier because then also you have something to compare it to. That environment where I can't really trust myself, which is where confidence issues come from, and I can't act based on what you know my body wants to do and my natural ways of being. And suddenly you're placed in an environment where, wow, I can actually relax and I can be who I am. I often, when I'm talking to people in a career context, I often say it's like, if I plant an avocado in upstate New York, right? It might grow to a little like, you know, little plant, but it's not going to really bear fruits. But you take that same avocado seed and you plant it somewhere in Mexico where avocado trees flourish and that's where it's going to amplify where it's going to you know really show up fully as itself and I feel a lot of times when we're putting ourselves in these spaces that were not designed for us that's when you know the confidence issues and I you know I have to understand what's right and what's wrong and it's not trusting ourselves in terms of what's right for me because uh, you're right in terms of you know when you say like confidence issues still come up I I think one as long as you're human 
that's yeah. never going to, yeah. you know, that that broader identity that has nothing to do with being marginalized or not. But I, I feel that's just a human issue. And, and if you're experiencing that from time to time, that's you being human. That, you know, there are times that we are going to be jumping into totally new situations and we're not going to know what we're doing and we can question ourselves. But in terms of specifically putting yourself into spaces where it's not safe to, to be yourself, that is actually harm where now you have to really play into this system and oppress yourself. But also what I've seen you do is break free of that. And obviously you mentioned that it took being in spaces where you felt that you could be yourself. What else did it take in terms of making that to be able to, and, and this term get being comfortable in your own skin gets uh, thrown around a lot. And I always say to like when, uh, for example, I'm talking to women and they say, you know, I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. And how do I feel comfortable in my own skin? And I say, it makes sense that you don't feel comfortable in your own skin. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, that completely makes sense if you're playing by the rules of patriarchy, because those rules were not designed for you. But in your own experience, what is it that it took to be comfortable in your skin? Rumi, it took a lot of Coming to terms with understanding so many things, really, because um, on the one hand, I, I was following Catholicism and I had to think about one of the first things I remember coming to terms with my sexuality was when I finally decided, well, if God and heaven is not OK to accept gay people that's not a heaven I want to be a part of and so that opened up so many things for me and I I think I started thinking about that when I was around 19 or 20 years old um and I had to really start to think about okay if the world was not the way it was like being gay was a totally fine thing to be would I be gay <laughs> you know I had to like because that was another thing. It's like convincing myself. I was trying to convince myself that I was not gay. Mm. And so I had to undo that. So I had to figure out like, am I or am I not? Um, and so when I started to imagine these hypotheticals, it became much more difficult to be satisfied with the answers that I was trying to give myself saying like, it's okay. I'm just, I, I don't like anyone. Uh, I'm just not going to date. It'll be fine. You know, all these things. And it's like, no, I'm severely depressed and anxious uh, to the point where it's like either something's got to give or I'm not going to make it. Uh, mm. So, and I guess that was my breaking point where I I had to decide for myself, well, do I want to make it? Um and I did. I wanted to continue being here. And the way to do that was to start coming out and expressing like, yeah, no, I like this person. Um, because also on a romantic level, I feel very intensely. I feel love very intensely uh, for people. Uh, I have a difficult time showing it, uh, mm -hmm. I think, for multiple, for a multitude of reasons, uh, this being one of them. Uh, but I do feel it very intensely towards people. So 
when I was not able to express that, it was so stifling. Like it stifled everything that I did. Um, and in terms of my academic work, my career, it embellished on my shyness and being able to speak at all. Mm-hmm. And I had so much to say. So it was hard to not be able to say these things. So for me, what I needed to do was really do a lot of self-reflection and starting to accept myself for who I was and the way I started to accept myself was by asking myself these hypotheticals and weighing out what was more important to me. Was it more important to me to live um, the way other people wanted me to? Uh, Because in that instance, I was not living at all. I was dying. I was literally dying. Or did I want to choose to actually live and live the way that made the most sense to me. And and that was a difficult choice to make, really. Uh, It's not like, oh, well, that's easy. I'm just going to choose life. (laughs) So (laughs) uh, if it was that easy, we'd all do it, right? (laughs) Um, So it was difficult. But I think that I, I got really lucky because I have two amazing siblings who are super supportive. I was able to come out to them and they were okay with it. And, And more than okay with it, they were, it was just, it was like, of course they were okay with it and were w- willing to defend me to, to the death. Um, so I did get really lucky in that sense. And if you don't have that, then it becomes one of those things where, you know, you have your the family you're born into and then you have your chosen family. And I also have chosen family. My wife obviously is the person I chose to be family with, but then I have friends who are also part of my chosen family. I went into content creation because, and I created a whole community of people that share similar interests to myself uh, because I, I do things on board gaming. Uh, so I already knew we all like board gaming. Um, and then being able to come out on the internet where it was like, okay, I'm like from a safe distance from these people. I don't know how they'll react, but if they do react, they can't like do anything to me. I'm in the safety of my home. And that was actually just really invigorating uh, and liberating for me. And it played into my creativity. I I like being creative. Uh, So that worked out, right? I was able to then find other people who are like, I love your content because I I am also within the LGBTQ plus community. And I also feel the things that you're talking about. And that has been just tremendous, a tremendous experience for me and probably why I continue to do it, even though it exhausts me. (laughs) But I just love it every time like somebody new comes up to me to tell me that like my content has made a difference for them or made them feel more at home, more at ease, more comfortable. I mean, that's the dream. That's the goal. And then we could talk together. We could game together. So I think a lot of it just really comes from finding your people by coming out and again coming out in places that you feel is safe to do so yeah so much goodness in what you said and I can't imagine you turning down the volume on this what I'm experiencing right now because how many people would be denied Mm -hmm. that benefit of you being you because as I said before by you showing up you're inspiring so many people the other thing that you mentioned is that you felt you were dying inside and even that depression it's natural given what is happening that you're being suppressed because you are not being allowed to be yourself 
And when you said, you know, I felt like I was dying inside, I also feel that part of you that was just conforming to those mm-hmm. norms that society says that you have to be straighter, you have to conform to these gender norms, that that part needed to die. Because there's yes. a there's definitely a death happening there. And I think a lot of times we are afraid if that part of us dies, like what is going to show up? And it's allowing for that death to happen. Yeah. And that's that's honestly what the what conformity wants, right? They they mm-hmm. want the the death of the death of uniqueness and liberation and freedom. Um and it takes a lot to to let that die instead, to let conformity mm-hmm. die. Because yeah, it becomes like, well, if I let that die, who am I? And it's like, that could be terrifying. That's a terrifying question. Uh, even if, if it is like, you get to actually be yourself. And it's like, that is terrifying. Uh, that could be really frightening. And it's because they want us to be afraid of that. Right. Because you no longer have these quote unquote stable things to attach to, exactly, because this yes. is how a uh, woman operates, or this is how a man operates, and this is right. how you know the how I need to be in professional settings. And mm-hmm. if that's gone, then who the heck am I? Right. And for a lot of people, this is the feeling that they try hard to avoid. But this is actually also what really frees you, because then you're not being defined by the rules or the norms or whatever you know someone determined you should be in order to be approved of to be successful in our society yeah it exactly to be successful right you uh, being i've even mentioned throughout this podcast that you know i'm shy introverted and even that you know people will tell you like you can't do that to be successful and it's like well, clearly you're wrong because I I am those things. And I would say that at this moment, I, I am uh, feeling pretty successful, which is great. And, and I did not think that I would get to do that. And yeah, in terms of success and, and even in the workplace, uh, being LGBTQ+, again, that was not something that I thought I could be out about. It even seemed like something that was not... Uh, professional to talk about like it's mm-hmm. not okay to talk about that in the professional setting and I found a place right I found Seek. Seek was uh, one of my first jobs into my current career which is therapy and it was an absolute safe haven of a space I love Seek so much because of that where I got to be out in the workplace, and then also come out in the workplace and and discover my gender identity and express that to folks within the the workspace. And and my colleagues were then along for the journey with me. And you don't find that in a lot of places, which is so unfortunate. And it is really hard to to find that because I haven't found that in all of my jobs, that's for sure. So Seek is a special case there. But even in Seek, I I had found myself feeling pretty isolated because I was the only one that I knew within Seek who was at least um, out um, uh, about their queer identity. And so even in a place like that, I, I was feeling kind of alone in it, even with all the support that I had received. 
And I think that's okay too, right? To acknowledge that. Like you could find places that are super supportive in the in the work sphere and still feel alone because it's like, okay, but where where are all the other queers? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it's one of those dichotomies that it catches up to you sometimes. Yeah. And now that you're able to draw on many of these challenges um, in terms of the content that you said, you know, like where you're uh, creating this and yes, you you probably get the haters coming on. Oh, yeah. But you also have tons of people who are, are res- who this is resonating with. And even in your career as a therapist um, yeah. and, you know, when you were serving students as well at least they can see somebody doing this where, oh, actually I am not alone. A lot of times as well, when we want to break out of a marginalized identity, it's that feeling of alone that comes up that scares a lot of us um, because I'm going to, but also you are alone if you can't be yourself because really, um, you know, these people are not seeing you for who, who you are. You're just pretending to be someone else. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that you there there was another yeah severe feeling of isolation uh before being out uh, about any parts of my identity and that that was crushing. That was so much worse. That was one of the worst feelings I had ever had. Um and, and it lasted for a long time. Mm. So the feeling that I'm describing now in feeling alone within a supported space is much different it's it's a it's a more complex feeling but it's not as crushing uh mm-hmm. because i do i did get to still be who i was and discover who i was be around people who supported me even though i felt sort of alone uh mm-hmm. in a way so yeah you bring up a really really good point there i also think about you know the feeling of alone that we that we feel not because we're choosing to be somewhere but because that's just default in terms of how the society operates and we feel alone in that but there's also the aloneness that we choose right there's like i know this is not right for me and i am going to choose that discomfort of stepping out and being who i am and i think those are two very different feelings of loneliness because the one that you're choosing is the one that allows you to amplify yourself allows you to expand into who you truly are the one that you're not really choosing but I'm, I'm in a space and you know this is what I have to do in order to survive or succeed or whatever it is is that you're just going along and that's where the suppression happens and where it feels like you're dying inside yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. The choice of uh, stepping out of where you are. Uh, to so then there's, a default that there's a default yeah. and you can choose to step out of the default, but also yes. just staying in the default. It's I mean, it's a choice, but it's really an unconscious choice that you're you're mm-hmm. making because that if, if that's all you've known, that feels like safety. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, right. It, which is what we were talking about earlier, too. So, yeah, sometimes it really just it, it's not safe to to choose what seems safe. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's how we yeah. Define yeah. How we define safety. Right. Exactly. Where is, is it you're just comfortable or you're not even comfortable. You're just 
surviving. Compliant. Surviving. Yeah, you're just surviving instead of choosing to thrive. It's a, it's a difficult choice to make to to allow yourself to thrive, to choose to to not just survive. Um, mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. It's hard to do. To make that choice that I'm going to leave this thing because mm-hmm. it is a loss that there is grief involved yeah. in that because maybe you envision life being a certain way or, or whatever it is and letting that go. Like all of these people are going to love me if I right. if I come out. And um, you said like with your, you know, that there are still people in your family who mm-hmm. don't even know. Right. And right. and if they knew, maybe, you know, they, they will not um, approve of who you are and still making that um, that difficult choice. I want to talk about career and even going back into college. I know you you were a theater major in, <laughs> yes. uh, in, in college. You, you spoke about that in um, a previous episode and even talking about how you were even in the performance you were performing. Um <laughs> So talk a little bit about that, like what it is that you, you wanted to do and what was your experience in that and what led you in terms of saying, okay, so what I want to, uh, what I want to pursue is counseling. Yeah. Um, so this was, so that is another big part of my story, I guess, in terms of like the coming out process as well, where it literally changed my career because I could not do what I had set out to do, which was acting. I wanted to be an actor. Specifically, I wanted to be a film actor, but that wasn't really an option uh, in the college I went to. So I did theater, which was fine. I I liked theater. Uh, And I just, I still, I love acting uh, and performing. And I, I think that is why also I love doing the content creation stuff. But what happened was, so in college, I had chosen the major for theater. Again, you know, not the optimal thing for your shy, introverted person, but also it wasn't optimal for somebody who was in the closet. Um, so when I was getting these roles, uh, it was always a woman um, and it was always a straight woman as well. So it was wildly uncomfortable to know that the playing a straight woman wasn't for for folks who were watching that wasn't part of the act Mm -hmm. uh it was something i was just supposed to be anyway and Mm -hmm. it's like that that was part of the act and along with everything else of the character but knowing that was just so it, it caused such debilitating anxiety for me uh, and the things I, I would need to wear. So I, I would do when I was starting to get more into film, I was like an extra in some commercials. And there were certain things that I needed to wear, like a dress or just something more feminine, have my hair down. I had longer hair at that point. Um, <laughs> so wearing certain makeup, things like that, which was just so not me. And yet, again, like that wasn't part of the act for people. And it it just... I couldn't do it anymore. I was having panic attacks when I was waiting to go on stage or on set. And it it, it got to the point where it just wasn't fun anymore. Uh, I was just anxious all of the time because there's something about acting that is so vulnerable. You are, you're 
legitimately putting yourself out there, but things are revealed through acting. And what what folks who don't act might not realize is that uh, a lot of acting, it, it's part of the the person themselves, right? Like it's not coming out of thin air. You're, because if you are pretending, people could feel that, right? People could see that you're pretending. And that was what was so scary to me, like for people to see that I was pretending to be a woman or I was pretending to be straight and I wasn't out yet. So it was it was mortifying and humiliating and it was just so deeply uncomfortable. Mortifying in terms of people would find out? Mortifying in terms of me being not myself. It, it was mortifying knowing that people actually think that I am straight and actually think that I am a woman when in reality I am not. That is not me just not acting. It is me acting. Um, Sounds like imposter feelings. It is, yes. Yeah. Huge imposter feelings. And, and that was the other thing, like my acting I felt was struggling from it too. Right. And then I also felt that imposter feelings of like, am I even an actor? It was just, it was when really you've troubling. been acting for so long. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I guess that was also part of it where I, I felt eventually where like I'm done acting. But yeah, so that I then I had to switch careers because I was just way too anxious and I did not know which direction to go in because that was what I studied. I studied theater. I didn't know what else to do. And how old were you then? At that point, uh, so when I started the major, I was around 19 or 20. And by the time I actually left the whole industry completely, I was around 21, 22. You finished so your I, degree in, in the I finished my degree. Yes, I finished my degree. I got the degree. I left the industry because I was getting calls for commercials after I had graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I stopped it. I, I told them to take me off the list I because I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And... I was still trying to figure out what to do. I was uh, like an assistant after school teacher thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did help with the like drama department and everything. I ultimately did get fired from that job for reasons. (laughs) But I I didn't do anything terrible. (laughs) It it wasn't for acting. No, (laughs) it was it was just a poor situation, poor timing. And it was like, okay, so. I was fired from that job and I was devastated because I was like, crap, I have no idea what to do. Uh, This is already like a part-time job. I'm making no money. And I never wanted to go back to school. I always hated school. (laughs) Um, It was not for me. So, and it wasn't that I didn't do well. I always like excelled in school. I did well, but I didn't like it. (laughs) I didn't like doing homework or studying and all that stuff. I wound up saying like, okay, I think I got to go to grad school because I I have to do something. I'm just doing literally nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I try to think about what was it about acting that I really loved. And part of it really was the analysis of characters. I I really liked analyzing characters, what motivates them, what drives them, why do they do the things they do, uh, and who are they? And so psychology seemed like a pretty good route. And that was my minor uh, in college. So I decided, okay, I'll go to grad school for for psychology. I'll become a therapist. It's not my passion, but I think I'll like it well enough. And it wasn't until later 
because it felt that way for a while where I was like, man, this isn't my passion. Other students here, like they really love this. And finally, uh, through SEEK and then through, uh, especially once I became like a SEEK counselor and then uh, running my own private practice, I was like, wow, actually, I really love this. Um, And it is something I am passionate about. And I'm really glad that I got to find that uh, within myself. And I've been finding more lately that I... I get to still entertain people now through my content creation of board gaming, uh, through being out about my sexuality, my gender identity. I I bring something that is different to the board gaming uh, space. I bring something that's different to the therapy space. And it says it right there on my uh, like psychology today profile, like I am non-binary. It's like the first sentence, right? Like, <laughs> uh, like I am LGBTQ. So I get a lot of LGBTQ plus clients um, and especially uh, a lot of trans clients uh, who are starting their journey or uh, are, are, have been trans for, you know, longer than I've been alive, you know, so, uh, and, uh, but are still working through things. So, and, and I get to see all these types of clients and I feel like even that in and of itself, I found community in that um, by, by working with them as a therapist. Uh, and then for SEEK, getting to create like the Queer Leadership Academy, you know, finding students who are also LGBTQ plus, like that again, like that was my community uh, of people, like that, those were my people. And it felt really good to find that and to find that passion. There's so many things that I want to pull apart here and I'm going to try. So there's, <laughs> there's the, first of all, that, you're able to do multiple things. So even being a therapist is not your identity. That is one thing that you're able to do in addition to the content creation and even with the work that you were doing at SEEK in um, the Queer Leadership Academy as well. And I think a lot of times we also fit ourselves into a box when it comes to to career and identify with, you know, this one thing that I have to find. You found outlets to express that passion and to use your creativity. And I, I feel this is a, something that a lot of people get stuck in. And it's like, I have to find this one perfect path that is right <laughs> for me, as opposed to recognizing that, you know, you are a multi-passionate, uh, you know, multifaceted human being and fitting yourself into a box is not the answer. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about was the Queer Leadership Academy. And what were some of the issues that you saw come up for students? Oh my gosh, a lot. <laughs> I uh, I think that for one, I, the reason I created the Queer Leadership Academy was because for one thing, I didn't see, there, there were plenty of programs for, for students to work on their career paths and uh, gain tools for like networking and success and, and leadership and all that jazz for, for career. But nothing that was specific to LGBTQ plus students. Uh, whereas there were programs for all kinds of other students, you know, whether it be women, men, uh, racial identity, whatever it might be, religious identities, um, or even your specific major that, that you have chosen. But I felt like, well, LGBTQ plus students need a space too, because they're going to be faced with uh, decisions as to what 
career you want to choose and if it is something like uh accounting or finance like if you're in the business sector and you have to dress a certain way and, and all these things like these are not topics that are usually spoken about um mm-hmm. in in your normal spaces or I'm, i don't want to say normal space in your uh your conformed spaces <laughs> um so i love that uh, <laughs> so there there's that and then I on a personal level because I did wind up switching careers be, due to a lot of my anxieties through my sexuality and gender identity I wanted to give a space for students where they felt like you could go and do whatever it is that you want to do you just need to find out where to go how to do it right because I could have continued with theater and film uh, I just needed to know that there are LGBTQ plus indie films and things like that that I could get into. But I didn't know that. Nobody taught me that. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to discover that much later, even though it seems like really to me now I'm like, oh, yeah, duh. But, you know, if nobody's telling you this at 18, 17 years old or 19 years old, how how were, how would you really know? Right. right. So I wanted to give that to students. On the other hand, there was also just, I felt in the college, a total miss on the mark for queer folks on the faculty side, the staff side, and the student side, where even there was a bathroom situation where like there were no gender neutral bathrooms, or if there was, there was like maybe one. No, I don't even think there actually was one. So there there was oppression going on in the school that says that that, that prides themselves on being diverse and inclusive. And it just wasn't true, uh, not at least for for queer folks and especially uh, for trans folks uh, where where are the gender neutral bathrooms? <laughs> um, and so so that, that was one thing on my mind. Another being that I, I had gone to this school as a student and I was met with homophobia and transphobia uh, from professors um, and. Uh, not specifically aimed at me because I wasn't out as an undergrad student, but things that were said in the classroom were homophobic or transphobic. And I don't know if things have changed. I mean, again, that was, uh, I don't even know how long ago, a little over 10 years ago at this point. Hopefully professors don't say things like that anymore. But I thought that, you know, it's a possibility that it is, it is happening. Or you're being surrounded by other students who might be saying things like that as well. So I wanted to create a safe space for students because going back to you needing to find your support system, your safe places to be able to come out. I wanted this to be a place where, hey, yeah, we get to focus on career and we get to be leaders too. And, you know, we get to be whatever we want as well. And we all have something in common here where we might all be struggling with the coming out journey, figuring out our identities, questioning things. And I wanted to offer that space. So that's really where uh, the Queer Leadership Academy uh, came out of. Yeah, and that space where they just get to be human and be themselves, because even as I hear you talk about, you know, there are uh, student clubs around a major But say you're pursuing a major that sends you into the corporate world and they're telling you that you need to dress a certain way or you need to act a certain way in order to be professional. And that's all you're hearing. And you don't have this other space that's telling you that it's okay for you to show up as 
yourself, you might not get the job at the big financial services company because they have not caught up yet. No fault of yours. And I've seen this actually with students where students were being advised to remove affiliations Mm -hmm. with um, you know, LGBTQ plus organizations from their resume, because this is actually going to hurt their chances of getting a job. And when students are, are aware, and I, I, I believe the space that you created with Queer Leadership Academy gives them that awareness that no, actually, I can amplify that because that <laughs> like you're with your therapy practice. Now the people who resonate with me, they're finding me. It's not because I'm trying to be a whitewashed version of myself in terms of how a therapist should be, right? (laughs) Right. Or what somebody tells me in order to market myself, but because I'm showing up as, uh, you know, as myself and I'm um, very open with my sexuality and all of that, that those people who are struggling with those issues can find me because otherwise, like somebody who is struggling with their sexuality goes to somebody who doesn't understand, like that professor, for example, who is just saying whatever in class and not being checked, right? Because also there's no check in place in terms of administration that you can go say something and somebody doesn't see anything wrong with that. And I feel having those spaces for people to start to recognize, no, it's my right to exist as I am. And, you know, when somebody does that, that's uh, that's something that is not acceptable as opposed to, oh, um, I just have to hide more um, because I think a lot of people just do that. They just either stay in hiding or they shrink themselves more because they're so afraid of the consequences. I mean, I, I see this especially in career. Like, I'm not going to get a job if I show up with the clothing that I want to show up or with my hair is in the way that I want to mm-hmm. show up or paint my nails the color that I want to paint my nails right. whatever yeah. yeah yeah anything I, I, and it goes back to to the choice we were talking about because that was something else that would come up in the Queer Leadership Academy and even in my one-on-ones with students where it's like well you have to ask yourself are you okay to still take that job if you don't get to be yourself and mm-hmm. if the answer is yes okay uh but if the answer is no then we have to look at other places and that choice of like stepping out of conformity stepping out of um the big you know four companies or whatever making all that money you could still make but money will come um but uh you know are you and, and some of it is even from like parental pressures too which is uh another thing that led me to wanting to also create this um, academy because parental pressure in terms of conforming possibly. So like maybe it's not okay to be out in the at home, but then also the parental pressure of like which major you should be going for, which career path you should be going for. And does that align with your identity? And does that career path also allow you to be with, to be uh, who you are? as a person uh, and, and as a queer person, is any of this what you want to be doing, you know? So so there, there, there was just so many layers to it. And I could probably spend like a whole other podcast just talking about Queer Leadership Academy. And I, I feel these are very important questions that people should be asking themselves because also if you don't have the space like Queer Leadership Academy, nobody is asking those questions. And that's when it gets very confusing and you feel lost and you feel overwhelmed and you conform one of the things that I wanted to ask you, though, do you ever feel that because of your identity in terms of identifying as LBGTQ+, that you get stuck in that identity? 
<laughs> yes, I do. Um, sometimes it does feel that way where I'm asked to only talk about that stuff, but there are other things that I like to talk about as well. That being said, I don't feel stifled by it, I will say, because mm-hmm. it's something that I, I'm passionate to talk about. So I am always down to talk about it. So people can ask me all day long and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I don't get tired. Like in this podcast. (laughs) In this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which is honestly like, it's fine for me. I know that it is not fine for everyone and that is totally okay. But for me, it's, it's cathartic for me to be Mm -hmm. able to talk about it and to hopefully help others in it because in a way it, it feels like it's helping myself as well. So Yes, but sometimes I wonder, is that all people see me as, as like the LGBTQ plus person um, to, to come to? And am I angry for that? No, I wouldn't say that. I'm not even sad about it. I I think that stuck, but not in a bad way, I guess. There might come a time where I'm like, okay, I'm kind of over it now. Uh, but, uh, or I get like burnt out from it, but... <laughs> Now is not that time. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> because to have you talk about this, and I know it is going to help a lot of people who are listening to this. Thank you so much, Matthew. I've learned a lot about you. I've learned a lot in general. Thank you so much for being on the podcast again. Um, I hope we have you back for yeah. more episodes. Um, this, I hope. this has been enlightening. Do you want to close us out? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. This It'll be like old times. Yes. <laughs> but first, I want to say thank you to Nusha again for uh, letting me be back on here. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I know I spoke a lot, so sorry about that. But I I love the questions and I would That's absolutely That's the point love of the podcast. That. That's the point. Okay, that's true. <laughs> um, we have no place for your shyness and introversion. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We have space for it all. <laughs> um, no, I love that. I love it. So yes, no, I, I definitely hope I, I get to be back. But you have been listening to Seek Human Spaces. Be sure to subscribe and be notified of new episodes. Catch you next time. And remember to be human. <laughs>